This is the Read to Lead podcast, episode 82. Hey there, this is John Lee Dumas, host of the Entrepreneur on Fire podcast, and you're listening to the Read to Lead podcast with my good buddy, Jeff Brown. Boom. When you have good conversations about money, it can increase your trust. You can get to know each other a little bit better. You can share your values. Welcome to the Read to Lead podcast with Jeff Brown. Jeff believes that if you desire to achieve true success in business and in life, then consistent and intentional reading is a must. The Read to Lead podcast will not only help you narrow this ever-important reading list, but also bring you key insights and valuable feedback from some of today's most successful and inspiring authors. And now, here's Jeff. Hey there, welcome to the podcast dedicated to your personal and professional growth. I sit down each week with a successful and inspiring author to talk about his or her latest book. And depending on their area of expertise, their thoughts on things like leadership, personal development, productivity, career, marketing, business, and entrepreneurship. Now, in today's episode, I'll be chatting with Derek Olson, who, along with his wife, Carrie, are the authors of One Bed, One Bank Account, Better Conversations on Money and Marriage. I plan to ask Derek about why he believes that talking about money can bring couples together in ways nothing else can, how restrictions and boundaries work to actually facilitate more freedom, why it's important to talk about talking about money before actually talking about money, and a whole lot more. In case you haven't heard, our friends at Blinkist have a special offer just for you as a listener to this show. Blinkist, inside their free app, serves up business book summaries, now in both written and in audio form. And they're currently offering 50% off an annual subscription to both their Plus and Premium plans. The Plus plan is just $25 for the year, and that gives you access to all of their written summaries. And the premium subscription is currently just $40 for the year, which gives you access to all of their written and audio business book summaries. Again, it's available only for a limited time and just to you as a Read to Lead podcast listener. To find out more about it right now, visit readtoleadpodcast.com slash Blinkist. There are a number of other Read to Lead podcast listeners who would love for you to join them inside our private Facebook group. To be added to the group and also receive our weekly newsletter, just text the phrase Read to Lead, all one word, to 33444. That's Read to Lead. Text that to 33444. We'll get you added into the group and make sure you're on our newsletter list as well. Derek Olson, along with his wife, Carrie, are the co-hosts of the weekly podcast, Better Conversations on Money and Marriage, which there is a link to, by the way, in the show notes, readtoleadpodcast.com slash 082. They also write on the topics of money and marriage at their blog, com, And there, they not only share their story, but even post, amazingly, their monthly income, net worth, and monthly budget. I know, crazy, right? Uh, they are currently traveling the country on a multi-city book tour, which today, I believe, puts them in uh, San Francisco, California. And they are the authors of the new book, One Bed, One Bank Account, Better Conversations on Money and Marriage. Derek, welcome to the Read to Lead podcast. Oh, Jeff, thank you so much for having me. 
Well, there are a number of ways to improve a relationship, and financial communication, according to Derek and Carrie, is a surprisingly rewarding one. So, Derek, why do you believe that talking about money has the ability to to bring couples together in ways that cannot be achieved any other way? Well, first, um, like you said, and, and like we say in the book, I think it's surprising to a lot of people how rewarding it can be. Unfortunately, and and unfortunately again for good reason, money kind of has this um, you know negative connotation towards um, surrounding it when it comes to relationships. We all know that it can do a lot of damage to a relationship. Mm. It's a difficult subject. But what Carrie and I have found that it is, it can also be there's a flip side. It can be surprisingly rewarding. And so when you have good conversations about money, it can increase just about everything about your relationship, your trust. Um, you can get to know each other a little bit better. You can share your values and it can really just strengthen your relationship. And, and like you said in, in your question, in a way that nothing else mm-hmm. can, or I suppose, I, I suppose, um, other other things that you could talk about or other dynamics of a relationship could do something similar. But talking about money and working through money issues together, it can draw out specific benefits for your relationship that I think that nothing else really can just because of the nature of the conversations and the context in which you're talking about things through the lens of money. Well, chapter one discusses the importance of the talk before the talk, the precursor to actually beginning a conversation about money. I was wondering if you could describe the meaning behind the talk before the talk and and what are some ways we can help set up money conversations for success? Right. So the, the, a little bit of history on the talk before the talk. So when Carrie and I coach couples about on money and finances and just stories, we hear a lot of stories just in talking with people. People know what we do for a living. And so they share stories and stuff like that. What we've noticed is, so, so I'll set up this situation. Sometimes one spa, one or the other, you know, the the of the partners, either the guy or the girl, will one day get really excited about money <laughs> and think, "Oh gosh, we you know we need to do a budget." And I read this book, and I'm I'm super excited about money, and and I'm just going to bring this to my husband, and we're just going to go for it. And you can catch the other partner off guard mm. in that way. And, and, and sometimes when, you, when you're caught off guard, especially when it comes to money, it can come off as maybe like you're feeling attacked a little bit. And so that can sometimes not go very well. <laughs> so this, <laughs> this talk before the talk, it's sort of like laying some ground rules, if you will, mm. if, if that's needed, um, and say, you know, we're gonna, I, I'd like to talk about money, but I'm not going to, we're not going to blame each other we're, we're going to set some ground rules here on how we're going to engage the conversation. And you can have that talk and set the ground rules and maybe set a couple of goals um, that you want to achieve through talking about money. And then you could actually walk away. You, you could have the conversation, then, then the actual conversation. You could have it right then. Or you could even have it a, a day or two later or even a week later after you've talked about, you know, what the direction that I want this conversation to go in. Let it pause for a little while. Let that sink in. So you've had a talk before the talk. Mm. And then it, sometimes it makes the talk go even better. Mm. Well, to that end, in chapter two, you guys talk about this, this uh, structure of the actual talk itself. Yeah. Uh, what are some of the stages of, of, of what you call coffee cup conversation? 
Yeah. So the, the coffee cup conversation, it's, it's a way of having a conversation without talking over each other or without twisting the conversation into and, and bending it in certain ways and stuff like, you know, how in conversations, especially tense ones, you can, you can get defensive. You can try to, um, change the subject if, if an area of uh, if the conversation sort of goes in a direction that you don't want it to go the coffee cup it's actually you actually use a real coffee cup and it symbolizes who's talking so if i'm holding the coffee cup i can talk and i can talk as long as i want and say anything that i want to and the other person is not allowed to talk mm. so it's sort of a sort of a mediator <laughs> if you will and then once you're finished and you feel like you've expressed yourself what, you, what you're trying to say, what you're trying to communicate, you then voluntarily pass the coffee cup off to your partner and your partner gets to then reply. And, and, and you're not supposed, you're not allowed to, there's a couple of rules that we describe in the book. You're not allowed to change the subject. You're supposed to repeat back to your partner what you heard or what you understand that they have said. Because again, with you know, relationships being the way they are, I mean, and we're, we're all human and we sometimes <laughs> hear things differently than they were maybe presented. And so the coffee cup is a way to really stay focused and to, you know, l- let the conversation be what it's supposed to be rather than get, you know, taken in all di- kinds of different directions. Early in our marriage, my, my wife had to constantly remind me <laughs> that we're on the same side. Yeah. She would say something, and oftentimes I would read between the supposed lines and, and put intent there that was never there. Uh, and, and oftentimes it was uh, you know of a negative nature, like I was being attacked, right. like you were saying earlier. And she, she would just stop me and say, hey, remember we're on the same team, so give me the benefit of the, of the doubt. And if you're going to assume anything, assume that what I'm saying here is a good thing, not a bad thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and so that would be the repeat back what you think you heard, yeah, or re- repeat back what you think my I was really trying to say, you know, read between the line kind of a thing, and then mm-hmm. and then if you take it even further, which we describe in the book, then you pass the coffee cup back, and you and then the original the person who was speaking originally gets to say yes, that's what I was saying, or no, I think maybe you you misunderstood what I was saying, and, and it can really get you know, like I said, keep the conversation on track and on focus. And it, it may seem kind of silly at first, but think of it like uh, if I can sort of infer here what I what how I kind of interpret this is it's like right a bike and you start with training wheels, eventually, uh, maybe once you got, kind of get the hang of this, you won't necessarily need a physical coffee cup anymore, right? Yeah. And, and you know, it kind of seems silly or maybe someone might be embarrassed that they need to resort to this coffee cup method, you know. <laughs> but man, sticking to the basics is a great thing. And that doesn't necessarily mean that there's a problem with your communication, it means that you're trying. Right. It means that you're trying to have these great conversations and trying, you're, you're willing to put forth the effort. And if you're willing to do something as silly as uh, have a coffee, you know, a coffee cup as a mediator, I think that signifies that you're wanting success. Well, what are some negative ways that we tend to fight and argue that you guys have identified? There, there's a couple of th- things that we outline in the book. One is um, and, and I think this has to go. This this goes along with just your natural personality as a person. Some mm. people are outgoing, type A, type B. Some people are um, uh, a passive. Some people are more aggressive. You know, all that kind of stuff. And so it kind of comes through when when we're talking about a tense situation and and talking about money and something that might be a little bit difficult to to communicate. And some people might withdraw. So 
if we're talking about money and I, I bring up money to my wife and my wife is not so excited about it, she might tend to withdraw. And so she'll shut down mm -hmm. and, and not want to talk about it, maybe give the cold shoulder or something like that, um, just kind of blow it off. Uh, and another on, on the uh, sort of opposite spectrum from that is somebody might escalate. So if they feel like they're being attacked and blamed financially for something, they just might go on the offensive and say, well, you know, I might have, I may have bought this, but you bought that. And look <laughs> at all these things you did. You know, they might turn it around and get aggressive. And so what, what we outline in the book, I, th I think there's maybe four or five that we actually outline in the book. And the reason why we did that is I think it's really helpful to be at least aware of, because a lot of times people aren't aware that they're doing one, one or the other. Mm. They're, they're, just, they're just in the moment and reacting what they feel is somewhat naturally. And so it can be, it, it can be confusing for both sides. I, d I don't understand why you're reacting this way. I feel like you don't care. <laughs> well, it's just because that's their natural way of withdrawing or gosh, you got so mad, I never want to bring it up again. Well, they, they may not have actually, that might have been just their natural way of, of replying to the situation, but they didn't intend for that to be the actual outcome. So at least being aware of these ways that we can um, react is really good for both sides. I think I've lost count of the number of times my wife has said to me something along the lines of, and this is why I don't bring this stuff up. <laughs> because I'll, oh I'll, I'll inadvertently, not, not, not meaning to, I'll, right. I'll lose my temper or I'll go into attack mode and she'll shut down. And now, yeah. thankfully, that happens very rarely now. But early on in the marriage, that, that, was, a, that was a problem because of, of the way I reacted to stuff. She just didn't want to bring anything up to start with. Yeah, just just realizing that those reactions are possible, mm. just being aware is, I think, a huge step. Yeah. Well, as you've probably no doubt surmised from the title of the book, Derek and Carrie advocate that couples share a single bank account. I want to ask, do you mean that literally? Is it more of a mindset? You know, it's kind of both. So Carrie and I literally have one bank account. Mm -hmm. Uh, that just seemed the, the easiest and maybe the simplest way to manage finances. I, I couldn't imagine having three or four different accounts. <laughs> some some people do that quite successfully, though. You know, this is account for the account for bills. This is the account for the mortgage. This is the account for you know whatever else. Um, I can see that working very very well. A lot of people do that. Uh, for us, literally having one bank account is just just easier as far as the flow of the money. Now. But as far as the book and what we're suggesting, we're more suggesting the mindset. So mm. again, the title of the book is One Bed, One Bank Account. It's for married couples. So that's you know, the play on words, the one bed. If you're sharing one bed, yeah, we, th we think that you should be sharing one bank account. But again, it's the mindset. So it's the, it, there is no his paycheck, her paycheck, or th those are the things that you're buying and I'm over here doing this with my money. Mm. It's one. So one way I kind of describe it is, so Carrie has run, I, she's run one marathon and I think two or three half marathons. Mm -hmm. And I have not. <laughs> okay. <laughs> not even close. Okay. <laughs> but when Carrie trains for her marathons, I don't lose any weight or gain any muscle or, or, you know, burn any calories. Mm. She does. But when I'm over here on the couch eating a bowl of ice cream, she doesn't gain any weight or, or you know, have, mm -hmm. to, uh, have to burn off any of those calories. So it's kind of separate, right? Mm -hmm. However, when I spend $10, boom, 
just like that, she spends $10. Mm. And when she spends $50, just like that, I spend $50. So it's one of those things that ties us together 100% in a way that I, I can't think of anything else that really ties you together that closely. And I, I think that that's just better for the relationship itself. Um, you get to learn so many things about each other, trust, communication, all kinds of things that, that having one bank account, at least the mindset of this is both ours, that teamwork mentality, mm. I, I really think that's the way to go. And that's the message of the book. There's a, a point in chapter five that says, and this was challenging for me, if asked, could you name three or four specific ways you support your spouse? And I had to really think about it and, and started writing them down. And I was curious to know, what does this look like for Derek and Carrie? Uh, <laughs> you know, I knew you were going to ask this question. And I was kind of, boy, I better have something because I was going to be on the spot and not be able to come up with anything. But, you know, it, I mean, that's a, it's a good question because it's tough. Mm. I, think, I think that's one of the reasons why we, we put the question in there. It's a tough question. But, but one, way it, it looks, one way it looks for uh, Carrie and I, we support each other with our careers. So Carrie is, uh, we, we have this business, Derek and Carrie, we, we write books and we write articles and, and, we do, and we do various speaking events and stuff like that that we do together. And then Carrie is also a voiceover actor. Cool. And so being an entrepreneur is tough and you need a lot of support. And so we support each other in those areas often. I mean, every single day we're supporting each other in those areas. And then, and then I suppose another way that we su- we're supporting each other is just, just relationships, friends and family, emotionally. But um, again, asking this question, name something specific that, that you're supporting them and really think about that and think, hmm, maybe I need to ask more often, hey, how are you doing with this specific thing? Like say with, with your career or I know that a month ago, you were having a tough time with this relationship and asking a specific question, how is that relationship going now? If you think about yourself, you're, at least for me, I am sometimes find myself waiting to be asked, hey, how you doing? Mm. Or just waiting around to, I wish they would ask about this or that. And so you've got to think that your spouse might be waiting for you to ask them how they're doing and, for, and to support them in something that they're maybe struggling with. I like that. Uh, that's important to remember. I support my spouse by going to a wedding two hours away without complaining. That's that's <laughs> one of the ways that on on Mother's Day, no less. No. Hey. <laughs> uh, why are restrictions and boundaries so important? In other words, is it true that having some in place actually facilitates yeah. more freedom? I would say absolutely. Um, one of the, uh, a visual, um, about what we're talking about here with restrictions and boundaries that might help. Let's say, for example, you're on the very top of an 18 story building and you're on the roof and there's a basketball court <laughs> up there. Who, who would put a basketball court on the roof of an 18 story building? Well, there actually are sometimes a school in the inner city, like say Chicago or New York or something like that. They'll have a basketball court on the roof because there's just no space. Mm. Now, just imagine there's no fences. (laughs) I mean, the ball would be constantly falling off the roof, first of all. And I just wouldn't feel safe. I wouldn't feel comfortable. I wouldn't, nobody would be up there playing basketball 
if there was no fences. You certainly wouldn't be going all out. <laughs> uh, no, absolutely. You'd, you'd be playing very cautiously. You know, you wouldn't be running. You wouldn't be going up for a layup or whatever, you know. <laughs> Not at all. And so how, how much fun would that be if, if you didn't have that fence? Now, let's put up a big fence. It's really sturdy. And let's say it's 20 feet tall or 25 feet tall or something like that. Man, I'd feel really safe and I would play basketball on that roof just like I would if I was on the ground. So all of a sudden we have what's supposedly a restriction or, or a boundary and suddenly that is the very thing that's allowing us to, to do what we're set out to do, play basketball. Mm. So the, the comparison is to our budget. And so, so many people just don't even have a budget and they just kind of feel their way through the month and they think, oh man, you know, they, they kind of, you know, test the air. You know, you lick your finger and you put your finger up in the air and you think, <laughs> I think I've got maybe $300 left in my <laughs> bank account, you know? <laughs> a lot of people do that. Yeah. And I think that we've, and it's been proven. I mean, it's been proven so many times. When you put what feels like a restriction, a budget, hey, I can only spend this much here and let's only spend that much there and you map it all out. Some people say, oh, that's just so, that's just feels so restrictive. Mm. I don't like having those boundaries on my money. I just want to be able to do whatever I want. Well, these boundaries are really healthy as far as um, financial planning and monthly budget. And when you set those, ba- those healthy boundaries in place, gosh, it just allows you to, like the basketball analogy, it allows you to play the finance game uh, to, your, to your fullest capability without the fear of falling off or, you know, running out of money or running out of the edge of the building, I suppose. The, the metaphor I like to use often is, is the songwriter, the person creating music. And the last time I checked, nobody who does that was complaining about uh, you know, having too many restrictions on, 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 on the yeah. ability to do that. Yet there are things like scales and key signatures and time signatures and there's music theory and there's all these parameters and boundaries and rules in place to help you actually create something that is beautiful, uh, that people will actually be drawn to and want to listen to versus you know, just pounding on the keyboard and calling it music. Oh, yeah, that's beautiful. And, you know, that made me think of you have to tune your instrument, mm. right? So it has to be exactly these frequencies, exactly these notes, or else it'll sound terrible. <laughs> <laughs> good point. Good point. Yeah, that's a good one. Well, a lot of books on the topic of money focus on how to you know, acquire more of it, build wealth, how to make sure that you're setting enough of it aside now for later. And the reality is most of us aren't ever going to be uh, rich per se. So uh, that begs the question, is there any hope? (laughs) 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 Obi-Wan? Now, now there's nothing, of course, that we're all for more money. More money is usually a good thing, depending on what it will do to your relationship and what what it will do to you as a person. You know, we, we all know that, gosh, having more money can just bring on more problems and it can actually more money can sometimes be the thing that tears relationships apart. So there's nothing wrong with having more money, though. It's how you use it to live a good life and how you bring it into your relationship that I think really matters. Mm. And so, yeah, you read these statistics about, oh, I mean, I can't think of, a, of, of a, an exact quote right now, but a certain percentage of people aren't saving enough for retirement, and, and it's a huge amount. Mm. It's, like, it's like scary how many people are not saving enough for retirement. And yet it's been like that for, I mean, gosh, it's been like that for, I guess, hundreds of years. <laughs> and yet here we are. You know, it's like mm. this big scary thing. Like, what are you going to do when you retire and you don't have enough money? 
Well, people are getting by. And, and I'm not saying, I'm not, I'm not suggesting, you know, that, that money's not important or, I know it kind of sounds that way, but what I am suggesting is if you're not going to be rich, that's, that's not the only goal out there with money. So there is hope if you're, even if you're not going to be able to retire when you're 65 with $3 million, there is still hope that you can engage with your money. Be wise with your money. And again, like the book is focused on, use whatever situation you find yourself in, whether you're extremely poor or extremely rich, you can use your money to strengthen your marriage. Mm. Well, I have a couple of questions, uh, Derek, I want to ask you that, that aren't directly related to the book. But before I do that, is there anything sure. else about the book you want to make sure we know? Um, you can get the first chapter for free mm. on our website if Excellent. you sign up for the newsletter. And it's not like a lot of business books these days, uh, if I can put it in that category, that, that seem to stuff themselves with 250 plus pages because the publisher said they had to. Uh, it, it was an easy read. Uh, I think I read it in maybe a day, day and a half, something like that. And uh, I, I love to... The humor that is injected <laughs> along the way. You are a really, really funny guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, we wanted to keep it light, and we just wanted to have fun with it. Um, money is such a turnoff for so many people, mm. and one of the one of the things that I hope comes out in the book is that this can be fun, and it doesn't have to be just such a pain every month. This whole money thing, it can be fun. Well, Derek, I'm wondering if you could name for us a couple of books that you have read or maybe you're currently mm. reading that have had an impact on you and share with us, if you can, how or why they impacted you as they did. Oh, gosh. Well, the, the first book that I always go to is 48 Days to the Work You Love by mm -hmm. Dan Miller. Excellent. I mean, that book just yeah, that book changed my life. Um, at the time, I was in a job that I just, let's just say it wasn't for me. <laughs> <laughs> It was not a good fit. Nothing wrong with the job itself or the people. I just, I just wasn't supposed to be there. And I was, I was becoming pretty miserable. And if I could just pick one thing out of the book that did it for me, actually two. One was there was something in there where, he, where Dan said something to the effect of, if the next five years of your life are exactly the same as the previous five years of your life, would you be okay with that? Mm. And I said, no. <laughs> there's, there's just no way I would not be okay with that. In fact, it kind of scared me because mm. that, well, that was the direction I was going in. And I thought, gosh, if I allow myself to go through another five years like that, I, I just, it just, oh, it, it scared me in a good way. <laughs> and, and the second thing that, that he really um, sort of uh, made me realize was at the time, I thought I was being responsible and loyal for staying at my job. Mm. I thought that's what you're supposed to do. Um, that's a value that is that had been instilled in me was just to be loyal. And those kinds of values are, are great. And I believe in that kind of stuff. But what Dan made me realize was it was actually irresponsible of me to stay. And it was the responsible thing for me to do to quit. And that really just kind of blew my mind. To that end, I'm really fascinated, if you don't mind sharing, what you and Carrie have been doing lately in terms of day-to-day -day living. I mean, you, you got an RV. You don't have a, a physical address at, at the moment. Tell us a little bit about that process, how you came to that point, mainly because I'm a little jealous and my wife and I are <laughs> toying with the same idea. Uh, but no, I would love to, to know just what that's been like and, and what brought you to that place. So I guess it all started with, with actually another podcast called Family Adventure Podcast. Mm. And I started listening to this podcast about a year ago, and they interview 
families who are traveling full-time specifically with kids. Everyone that they interview has kids. And so, because the idea is, oh, it's easy to travel when you're young and don't have kids. And then it's easier to travel when, when your kids have grown and you're maybe a little bit older. But their thing is specifically with kids. And so I'm starting to listen to this uh, this podcast, and I think, golly, this is crazy. And <laughs> and how I was amazed at how doable it is. I just thought, and and, and he asks the same um, sort of the same questions every time. The, all the questions that you would have, um, and one is obviously, how do you pay for it? Right. And so the answer is always different. Uh, some people are just living off savings. Some people sold their house, and they're living off that. But a lot of people work when they're on the road. And, and so in, in this day of, of the internet, you know, this age of the internet, a lot of people say, you know, I'm a graphic designer or I'm a web developer. And mm-hmm. so it, it just does not matter where I am. I can work from anywhere. So we, I start listening to this podcast and I think, gosh, we can do that. And if I, if I, I can keep this short, uh, Carrie was on board right away. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know if you mentioned, but we do have a one-year-old. So our, our one-year-old girl is with us. And our lease was up on our house March 31st. We just didn't sign, we just didn't re-sign the lease. We sold and gave away half of our belongings. We bought a travel trailer. So it's it's technically it's not an RV. It's a travel trailer mm. that we pull with a car. Okay. So whenever we get to a city, we can drop it at the camp spot, and then we can drive around just in a regular car. Awesome. Yeah, so it, it's been crazy. I mean, it's been a growing experience, a learning experience, and it's been a lot of fun to see so many different parts of the country. And I guess I should mention that in, in every city that we're hitting, we're doing meetups, and everyone is invited to these <laughs> meetups that we're doing. It's very casual. So, it, you know, if, if we're coming to the city that you live in or a city near you, you should check out our tour schedule and you can come to one of our meetups. And that can be found at DerekandCarrie.com, correct? Yeah, DerekandCarrie.com slash tour. And that'll show you okay. all the cities and dates. Well, you know, I'm hearing more and more stories like this. I think of people like Natalie Sisson, uh, who I'm sure you know, the suitcase entrepreneur, and, and yeah. she does a, a podcast and has written a book on, on, on this general topic and just living from anywhere or going from place to place. Uh, and I see more and more people in the future considering doing this. I'm curious to know, one more thing on that, I'm curious to know if you got any flack from family and friends or if people around you went, are you nuts? What are you, th- what are you doing? <laughs> You know, not much. We got a couple of strange looks <laughs> um, from a few people, but nobody, everyone was really supportive and nobody came out against it or anything like that. Um, you know, people express concern and worry, but we, we have planned this very carefully. And so any of those worries or concerns we took very seriously and we've addressed them. Mm. So we're not doing anything uh, dangerous or irresponsible. <laughs> we've, we've, we've addressed everything. And I think as long as you address everything, which is fairly easy to do, uh, everything will be okay. Hmm. Well, finally, Derek, uh, I'd be curious to know if you can share with us what's next on the horizon uh, for you guys. What are you working on right now that, that you're excited about? Um, j- just this tour has been incredible. So we've still got another six months. So that's kind of where my mind is going to be for six months. But uh, but we're also building up our, our speaking business. We're doing more and more of that. And that's, that's just really exciting to get out there and share our story and just spread this message of you know, financial oneness within a marriage. That's, ex- mm. that's just really fun. 
Uh, so we're adding more and more of that to the mix. And then who knows next year they'll, they'll maybe, there's a couple of book ideas in the works already, but those will have to wait until next year. Hmm. Well, thanks again for taking time out to do this. I highly recommend the book. Again, it's called One Bed, One Bank Account, Better Conversations on Money and Marriage. And you can pick it up on Amazon. We have a link to it in the show notes. Derek, thank you so much. Yeah, thanks, Jeff. Thanks, everyone. To connect with Derek and Carrie and to check out the other resources and links we talked about, including where to find Derek and Carrie on tour, just visit the show notes page created especially for this episode. You'll find that at readtoleadpodcast.com slash 082 for episode 82. Thank you to DJ West Coast for a five-star rating and review in iTunes. Calls the Read to Lead podcast a staple in my podcast rotation. And also Shane Cabot with a five-star rating says, on my must-listen-to list. We really appreciate that. If you'd like to leave a rating and review in iTunes, visit readtoleadpodcast.com slash iTunes. This really helps get the podcast noticed and helps new people find it. You can also rate it on Stitcher at readtoleadpodcast.com slash Stitcher. Well, that does it for this week. I look forward to seeing you next time for the Read to Lead podcast. Thanks so much for listening to the Read to Lead podcast. As a subscriber, we challenge you to be more than just a passive listener. Become a vital member of the community. Visit us on the web at readtoleadpodcast.com. Until next time, remember, leaders read and readers lead. Oh, 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 oh,